Hi, um, today's shir is for Rufua Shleim of Chanabas Naomi Ella, and it is Daf Yud Gimel. We got up to the second last line of Yud Beis, and we're Beis 12b, so I'm going to go from there. The Mishnah said that, in truth, the Chazan can look at what the children are reading by the light of the candle, but he can't read it. So the Gemara asks, for her, Reisha Ro'e, my lovely Christ. But you start off by saying he can look at what the children are reading, and that implies he can read what they're reading. So the Gemara says, It's coming to say that he can arrange the check over the primary points or the beginning of the, the beginning of the points. That he's allowed to look over the beginning of the parshios. Rashi explains. Remember, we speaking about the Gabai, He would have to call up the. Um, this, he would have to call up each person for the aliyah the next day. And remember, in the times of Chazal, the person who got called up would lane. So the Gabai would look over the beginning of the parishes. It would remind him of the correct laning. And then when he called the person up the next day, he could help them. Rashi says, With the correct pronunciation and the correct trop, he would assist them silently while they were doing the aliyah. Now, Interesting point on this is they bring out, we see that Rashi is almost learning that it's very important that they get the trop right. It's not good enough that they're just pronouncing all the words. Um, and the Ramor says, however, you don't have to correct a Balkoira if he's doing the wrong trop. But if he's consistently getting it wrong, you should have a word with him. I let him know that you want him to lane properly. It is part of the laning to lane according to the correct trop. Um, the Rambam, and this seems to be our Rambam sort of Aichik held, that no, the Tamim, the trop is actually essential, and therefore, if the balkoira is getting it wrong, you can even correct him. Then the Gemara continues for Chula Parsha Law. You tell him he can't read the whole Parsha, he can just read the beginning. It says, Macy, they, they challenge this. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel Gamliel says, The young children would go through the whole Parsha and read it by the light of the candle. Now, children are generally not allowed to do. What adults are not allowed to do. We don't let children go against the Torah. So if they're allowed to read the whole parsha, it must be that the Gaba is also allowed to read the whole parsha. So the Gemara says, no, why are children different? Maybe by the children, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel is really saying they're only allowed to go over the main points or the, the beginning, they're not read and refresh their memory, they're not allowed to read through the whole parsha. And the Eboy's Amos, shiny Tinoikas, while the Amos, Rabun Alem, Lo Aisilatzle, or maybe children are different because they're so afraid of the Rebbe, they won't dare tilt the candle. Rashi explains, even during the weekday, a child won't put his finger out of line because he's afraid of his Rebbe. And, uh, and therefore, um, also on Shabbos, you don't have to worry, he's not going to put his hand out of place and adjust the candle. I mean, I wish my students were that afraid of me. Then um, I just saw an interesting point from Rav El Yoshiv Zatzal. He says, it comes out from this point that you can't give a child a book to read by the light of the candle. They ask a big kasha. The Rashba says that you granted you're not allowed to enable a child to do an Isudoraisa and Isudrabonin 
you can help them do. He says, for example, you can give a child a safer to carry in a Carmelis. Remember, we said a Carmelis, it's only also Drabona to carry around the Carmelis. says you can give a child that to carry. So Rabbi Ilyashiv says, you must say the difference is... Um, is that by the Carmelis, the reason you're allowed to get a child to do that is because there's no way that he will come to do the Isur now. The Isur of the Carmelis is you'll get, con- over time you'll get confused what's the difference between a Carmelis and a Rishul Sarabim, and sometimes in the future you might, sometime in the future you might come to carry in the Carmelis, whereas with the candle we're afraid that he'll come to do an Isur to arise, and now he'll reach out his hand and adjust it. So therefore, the Rashba would agree in that case that you don't allow a child to do it. And a very another interesting point he says, based on this last point that the Amos Rabun Alam, the ch- children are afraid of their Rebbe, therefore they can read by the light of a candle. So he says this, and he brings from Shulchan Aruch that on Yom Kippur you can also read from the light of the candle because Amos Yom Kippur Malam people are very uh, in awe in reverence of Yom Kippur and therefore they would be allowed to read. Okay, carrying on. But then we said just as we make these uh, take these precautions by Shabbos, there are also these precautions by other cases, like a Zav and a Zav are not allowed to eat together, because they might, I guess in the, having a romantic supper together, they'll come to um, Avera. A Zav and a Zav regarding sleeping together are similar to a Nida. It says, Tanya, Come and see how widespread and how careful B'nai Israel are with Tumen Tahara, because the Mishnah doesn't say you can't have a Tahar man eat with his Tomei wife, because they might come to an Avera. Rather, it says that you can't have the Zav and the Zava eat together. Why? Because a Tahar man and a Tomei wife would not be eating together. They would be very careful, because he doesn't want to eat Tomei food. Whereas the Zav and the Zava, they both Tomei say they're going to be eating the same food anyway, and therefore we have the concern. And carrying on, Zav who's particular and careful about eating Tahara should not eat with the Zav who's an Amoret, because he might come to eat with him often. So, what's the difference if he eats with him often? We're speaking about a Tomei Zav, so any food he eats anyway is Tomei, so it's going to be that's this that he eats with the Amoretz, and this Tomei makes no difference. So he says, No, we're concerned that, the, that he'll feed him Tomei food. So, one second. Um, It says you're not allowed to feed a Zav, a Zav who's particular worth. Um, Tahara shouldn't eat with a Zav Amoretz in case he, Yagila becomes familiar with him. What difference does it make if he's familiar with him? There's nothing wrong with someone who's careful with Tumantara being friends with someone who's not careful with Tumantara. So, we're concerned that the Amoretz will feed the Zav Tomei food. Is the Tomei Zav not eating Dvorim Tomeim? Anything the Zav touches is Tomei. So, 
whether or not the Amor Zav is giving him food that's Torah Tomei as soon as he tries to eat it as Tomei. So Amor Abai, No, we're concerned that he will feed him things that have not had Trumas and Master taken from them. Remember, the general rule is that we assume an Amoretz does separate Trumas and Masters, Masterot, but there is a significant minority who don't, and therefore you've got to be extra careful. For Rav Omar, no, Rav says we wouldn't be careful. You're sitting down to a meal with Amoretz, you can, you don't have to worry about that. It says Rav Amoretz, Masterim, hey, most Amoretz do separate Master. Ella, so what's the concern? So no, if you come familiar and you eat often by the Zav Amoret, even when the person is Tahor, this person who's particular with Tahara, when he's Tahor, he'll still continue to eat with the Amoret and he might eat Tomei food. He might be fed Tomei food. Okay, now we ask regarding another, a question regarding another Precaution. It says, Questioners, can a nida sleep with her husband when they both wearing clothes? Very interesting enough. In those days, it was not normal for a husband and wife to be sleeping in the bed together with clothes. Um, Rashi even brings a bit later on the daft that um, if the husband wants to have intimacy while clothed, the wife can insist on a divorce. So, is this that they're wearing? So again, she's a nida, so they're not allowed to be—they're not allowed to be intimate together. But they're both wearing clothes, so maybe that's a good reminder. So Amar Rav Yosef Toshma, Rav Yosef says, "Come in here." Ha'oif oile regarding meat and milk. It says, "Ha'oif oile im hagvina ala shulchan ve'ena nechol." Dear Rabbi Shama, Rabbi Shama says, "You can put meat at poultry and cheese on the same table." But you're just not allowed to eat them together. Again, bird is, there's an issue of eating. You're not allowed to cook meat and milk together. The xayra is that you're not allowed to eat, even eat them together, even if they're not cooked together. And off, it doesn't apply to bird, it's only animal meat. But still, we don't eat um, bird meat with milk. But Beishama come along and say, you can have them on the table together. Um, so lost No, you're not allowed to serve them on the table. You're not even allowed to put them on the table together. And obviously, you're not allowed to eat them together. But what do we see from Beis Hillel that you take a precaution? So he says, no, a shiny hosom the lake deus. There, it's different because they're not different mounds. I, when there's milk and chicken on the table. Together, the person might mistakenly eat them together. But by the Nida and her husband, they're two different people. They'll remind each other. And and it's actually logical to say that where it depends on two minds, we treat the halacha differently. Tiktani Sefer, as we learned in the Brisa, Gamil says that you can have two, um, what would you call visitors, two uh, your visitors at a hotel eating together on the same table, one eating meat and one eating milk, and you don't have to worry again because it's two people and they remind each other, don't eat my food. But didn't we say regarding it? Omar Abchanin Bar Ami Omar Shmuel Loishanu Elisha Ein Meikirin Zetzeh. 
but that's specifically where they don't recognize each other. They're not familiar with each other. I won't let you, I don't know who you are, I'm not going to let you eat my food. But if they do know each other, it would be Asur. So he says, regarding the case of Nida, they know each other. So he says, you can't bring a proof from the second case. Again, we want you to say from the safer by the fact that if you have two people, two different people eating meat and milk, they can eat at the same table. So, so you have two different people, a man and wife, they can eat together. Sorry, said so the reason is only because they don't know each other. They're not going to let each other eat their food. But if they know each other, then they would not be allowed to eat meat and milk on the same table together. So, so too, we shouldn't allow the Nida and her husband in the same bed, even though they clothed. There, there's different people, different minds, but there's no distinction. Here, there's difference in opinions and a Shinoi. I, not only is it the husband and wife, two different people who will remind each other, it's also Shinoi, they're wearing clothes, which is unusual, which is an added reminder. So that dual factor, maybe it should be permitted. Ikid Omri, some had a slightly different version. Two visitors can eat at the same table together, this one meat and this one milk. Ve'itmar ola Omar Rabchanin bar Ami Omar Shmuel Rabchanin bar Abba said in name of Shmuel loishonu elashayim my kirin zeh zeh. This is specifically where they don't recognize each other. Avol my kirin zeh zeh also. But if they know each other, then it would be also because they might eat from each other's food. Says vahani nami my kirin zeh zeh. Ninu and the husband and wife regarding Nino also recognizes each other. No, there's still a difference because by the table with the one person eating meat and the other person eating milk, granted they know each other, there's nothing to remind them not to eat from each other's food. But here there's different opinions. There's two minds, two different people, and there's a shinui. There's the husband and the wife, so they'll remind each other, and they're wearing clothes, which is an added... Bonus that they'll remind each other. Toshma, come in here. We said in the Mishnah, a Zav and a Zav are not allowed to eat together because they'll come to do Avera. But, well, oh, so what do we see? No, you still have to have the precautions in place. So granted, based on what we've just said, we, maybe you don't need the maybe just by the fact that they're wearing clothes is enough of a precaution and you can let her Nida and her husband sleep in the same bed together when they're clothed comes along oh what about our mission which says that a Zav and a Zav we're concerned about it it says no but still again with the Zav and the Zav eating together granted they're two different people so they might remind each other there's no Shinui but where there is a Shinu, maybe we would let them eat together. Interestingly enough, that's the halacha we say, we Paskin, that a Nida and her husband should not be eating at the table together unless they put a hekar, unless they put something to remind them to uh, separate themselves a little bit. Toshma, come in here. El Horim, again, we're trying to answer our question can the Nida and her husband? Sleep in 
the same bed together, sleep together in bed, if they're wearing clothes. So the Brisa says, Elohorim loy ochal. I was, as many saying, this person was so pious, he didn't even eat from the mountains, he didn't rely on schus avos. I never even looked at Avodah of Beis Yisrael. I never defiled the wife. He never defiled the wife of his friend. And he didn't even come close to his wife when she was a nida. This is now the the Gemara points out on this possible the price. Makish It connects. A woman who's a nidah to a married woman, his friend's wife, I to uh, adultery. It says, Ma Eishesra'ehu hu bebigdo vahi bebigdo asu. Just as it would be forbidden to share a bed with your friends with a married woman, even if you're both wearing clothes, af ishta nido hu bebigdo vahi bebigdo asu. So to, yeah, with the man and his wife who's a nidah, it would be also Shmamina, and that's conclusive. So, according to Rav Yosef, how he's concluded by the fact that the Pasuk connects um, a married uh, another man's wife with his own wife when she's a nida, it's to teach us that just as it would be also to be to sleep, getting both clothed in the same bed, it would be also. Um, to sleep with his wife, who's a nida, with clothes, uh, even if they're both clothes. The question is, why is it, with, you know, says, where's the isu from? So Rashi says it's because it's isu yichud. We know that you, it's forbidden for a man and a married woman, for a man and a woman he's forbidden to be with, to be in seclusion together, in isolation together. And then we extend that to, to a nida, just as he's not allowed to be in isolation with that woman he wouldn't be allowed to be in us um he wouldn't be allowed to sleep in the same bed with his wife the difficulty with that and this is a lot of rishonim um find difficult is that a man is allowed to be in yichud with his wife who's a nida as we know you never see that the woman move out when they're in nida or the man moves out and they're not they're careful about yichud no there's no problem of yichud so what does rashi mean that the source is yichud so the one answer given for Rashi is that, no, you're right, there is no Isur Yichud by a man and his wife is a nida, but there's an extra, yeah, um, so, sorry, the run answers, you're right, it should be also, but there's a special drosha, this is brought in Sanhedrin, that tells us that a man is allowed to be alone with his wife, and he adds, in Jezab, the Avera is not so strong, because they've been together, and they know they'll be together. Unlike, an, um, well, there's two aspects, unlike a married woman, you'll never ever be together, so the, in a way the Yetzirah is stronger to take advantage of the situation. Um, and a second factor, interesting, even we see by a Need a man and a nida who have never been together. So, like, say they get married and she's a nida when they get married. It is also to be in seclusion. So, we see there is this these added factors by the married woman. And uh, and we can learn from there to a nida. Again, not to the degree to say that there's an isu yichud, but. Um, but definitely to the degree to say that would be also for the man and the wife 
man and his wife is in it to sleep in the same bed even when they're wearing clothes. Okay, obviously the Tosas have a different way of learning and a few others. Carrying on in the Gemara. This is Ajon Rebbe Padas. To Omar Rebbe Padas. Rebbe Padas said, Loi Osra Torah Ela Kurva Shel Gilo Arayos Bilvad. When the Torah forbids the Arayos, that's specifically with Tashmish, with intimacy. Shenemar, as the Possek says, Ish Ish El Sheer Besoro Loi Tukarev Legalos Erva. He's not allowed to come close to one of his relatives for Tashmish, for intimacy. So, this is very interesting. According to Rabbi Padas, he holds the Isidor Raisa is only to be intimate with one of the Arayas. Doraisa, you could sleep naked with one of the Arayas, you can kiss and hug. You just, again, just not allowed to be intimate. Those other things to kiss and hug, etc., would be a Isidor Abonan. Um, and therefore, Rabbi Padas would hold. To sleep in the same bed while clothed, while clothed, should be mutar, because it's a double separate, it's a xaira on a xaira. The first xaira is that Doraisa, they could even, yes, cuddle and kiss, etc. They're just not allowed to be intimate. And the rabbi said, no, they're not allowed to. And now we're making a second xaira. Never mind, they're not allowed to uh, uh, kiss or hug. They're not even allowed to be in the same bed together. So he says we don't make exhaler exhaler, and therefore, as long as they clothe, they could be in the same bed. Um, translating it back to Rav Yosef, then, so wait, he's saying that for them to, let's say, for a man and a married woman to kiss would not be a Isudor Raisa, according to Rav Padas, Rabbi Padas. According to Rav Yosef, it would be a Isudor Isa. And that's actually a Machloikes Rishonim, whether to what's called um, Kreva, coming close to the Gilu Arayos, is that a Isudor Isa or The Rambam Paskins, that it's actually Isudor Isa. So to hug and kiss uh, one of the Arayos, a married woman, um, etc., Anyone else that is forbidden to you, according to the Rambam, could fall into the Isudor Isa. Um, then the Gemara mentions, When Ula would come home from Yeshiva, he would kiss his sisters on certain, uh, we would consider very intimate parts. For Omri law, some say, no, it was on their hands. So Ula seems to be okay with kissing his sisters. But he argues on himself. To Omar Ula, Ula said, He says, We tell a Nazar, Go away, go away. Go around, go around. Don't even come near to the vineyard. I, a nozu we know is a person who's taken a neder and he's not allowed a certain type of neder and he's not allowed to have grape or any grape products. He said, don't even go near the vineyard. So Sotir Ula would say, don't even go near the arayos. So we have a contradiction. We have one Ula came along and he used to kiss his sisters. And then we have Ula coming along and saying, no, don't even go near the arayos. So which one is it? So Tosos learn... Ula knew about himself that he was a tzaddik. He uses a phrase, 
והוא יודע בעצמו שלא יבוא לידי הירו שצדי גמור הוא היה. אולו was a completely righteous person and therefore he knew if he kisses his sister in greeting it will never lead to anything else. But regular people would have to be careful. The Rambam learns that no, it's a revision. Ulla even stopped that practice. Um, and this is uh, the Rambam learns and it seems Igris Moshe brings um, uh, brings us as halacha that a person shouldn't be too familiar even with the arayos like their sisters and aunts that they have generally no physical desire for. The Rambam, and as I said, Igris Moshe seems to pass it like this as well, are quite uh, strict and severe. Um, yeah, common uh, question and difficulty that people have is they have uh, their aunts, they've always grown up and even adult, their aunts always try to greet them with a hug and a kiss, etc. What do you do in those scenarios? Cats beyond the scope of this shir, but according to what we've just brought from Ula and at least according to the Rambam, it, it is a problem. Tanit Veiliao, we learned in a teacher Veiliao, the one, um, some say this is uh, Bryce's that were taught by Eliyahu Novi. There's this one Talmud who learned a lot he, of Mishnah, he learned a lot of, like, of Halachas, he learned a lot of Tanakh. He did Tamidei. He did Shimush Tamidei Chachamim. He learned to analyze the Mishnahs and apply them. Harbe a lot says Umeis bechetzi yomav and he died young. Vahoisa ishto noiteles tfilosov tfilov. His wife took his tfilin or magzosam babatei knesios or babatei midrashos and she went around from all the shuls and yeshivas. Vahomra lahem and she said to them, "Siv b'Torah, it's written in the Torah. Kihu chayecha v'oyrech yomecha. It's what gives you life and eternal life." Why did he die young? Again, he fulfilled all the things that require that that should give him laugh, and he died young. It says, and there's no one who could really respond to her. I mean, what do you tell someone in that situation? Pam Akas. So carrying on with Tana de Beliau, so this is according to how I explained it, is Eliyahu said, one time I went to, to visit her. And she told me the whole story. And I said to her, How was he, how did he act with you when you were a nida? So Omrili, When I was a nida, he didn't even touch me with his baby finger. I was very, very careful when I was a nida. This is, In the days that you were wore white garments, what was your halacha? Um, it's confusing because of how we practice nowadays, but basically, in the, strictly speaking, there's a different halacha with a nida and a zav. A nida just counts seven days and she's tahor. A zava, a woman who sees a certain type of discharge on certain days, of a cycle for three days in a row becomes a zava and she has to count seven clean days. She has to make sure she sees no blood on those seven days and therefore she would wear white garments. So he said in those seven clean days, how would he interact with you? So he says, She said, we would eat and drink together and we slept uh, we slept together, but law also doubted over Akhir, but we never ever we were never ever intimate. So this is now where we see the problem. He wasn't he didn't break any strict halacha, but he was still very 
physically close with his wife when she was wearing uh, in her days of white clothes. Says Vomarti Lo, and I said to her, Baruch Hamokom Shehargo Shelonos Arponim LeTorah. Blessed is Hashem who killed him because he didn't give the proper respect to the Torah. Sharei Omer Torah. The Torah says, "Vel Isha Benidas to Mosolo to Karev." It says, "A woman who's Tomei, don't even come close to her." Lo to Karev. It's not good enough to just not have to to just not be intimate with one's wife when she's there. That's almost obvious. It's Lo to Karev. Don't even come close to. You're not allowed to do these practices that might lead to intimacy. Kiosar Abdimi. We're going to see a different version that actually the Avera was even more subtle. It says, The thing was that they shared the bed. It was a large bed. He slept on one end and she slept on the other bed. But that was still considered too, um, too close, too affectionate. But Marova Omri, Omar Yitzchak, they didn't sleep naked together. She slept, she wore pants or something like that. And still, that was still transgressing. Loita Karev, don't come close to it. Okay. Um, but here was another important example and an important discussion to think about, especially in uh, our times, how uh, careless people are with the... Uh, with, uh, regarding uh, these halachas of intimacy and uh, coming close, kissing and how they, and showing affection with other, with uh, with the opposite sex. New Mishnah. Ve'elu min halacha she'omru ba'aliyaz chananyo ben chizkiyahu ben goren. These are from the halachas that were said in the attic of chananyo ben chizkiyahu ben goren. We'll find out about that attic soon. She'olu levakra, they went to visit him. Nimnu v'rabu be'ishamah be'is hilal, and they took votes, and be'ishamah were more than be'is hilal, v'yudchez dvarim gozru bo'bayom, and therefore 18 decrees came out from the attic on that day. Um, yeah, basically, the sages went to visit him, and it turned out that, that generally be'is hilal were the majority, and be'is hilal were the minority, and be'ishamah were the minority, but at this occasion there were more people who followed be'ishamah than be'is hilal, and therefore, when they took votes of what the aloha should be, Beishamai won on those, and there were 18 of those. First point, the Gomorrah asks, We start off the Mishnah, says, These are from the halachas. Is it supposed to be these are from the halachas, or and these are from the halachas? What's the difference? When it says, and if it's and these, it's going on the previous Mishnah, the we just learned. Or, or if it says these are, then it's going to be the coming Mishnah. It says Toshma. So come in here. We learned in the previous Mishnah that says you're not allowed to take lies out of your clothes by the light of the candle, and you're not allowed to read by the light of the candle. And these are from the halachas that were said in the attic of. Hananya ben Chizkiah ben Goren. But as we see, we've already discussed the halachas, so it must be va'elu, what we're going on previously. Now to analyze the Mishnah further. Ton Rabbonin. Mi kos of Megillah Who wrote Megillah Stanis? Megillah is a sefer that's recording, that records 
all the days that you're not allowed to fast or have eulogies on because they were, um, it was when the Jews were in sorrows, difficulty, and Hashem saved them. So they would record those days as happy days. Um, very similar to Hanukkah and Purim. They were difficult days that were then made happy. So they would be recorded in the Megillus Tanis. Um, interesting enough, after the destruction of the temple, we cancelled the Megillus Tanis. Chazal, uh, they cancelled Megillus Tanis because there's just too many tragedies, and how can you? Uh, the, and the tragedy of the destruction outweighed all the victories and miracles that Hashem had saved the Jews up to then, except for Hanukkah and Purim. Okay, but again, who wrote Megillus Tanis? Omru Hananiah ben it was Hananiah ben Chizkiah and his group, because they loved Soros, they loved tragedy, difficulty. What does it mean they loved Soros? So Rashi says, they, were, they loved them because they were redeemed from them. And the miracle that was performed from them was very dear to them. To remind them to praise Hashem. And they would write them to make a Yom Tavai. It was an opportunity to praise and thank Hashem. And that's what they loved about the Tzoros. Um... We also loved Tzoros. But if we come to write down, there's too many. I, um, the times we live in, there's so much trouble and so many miracles that we'd basically fill up every day of the calendar. Or the other shot is that there's so many troubles that, we do, that it overrides the the happy days as well. Dovarachir, another explanation. Ein Shoitenifka. Why in the days of Rabbi Shimon Gamliel did they not keep to Megillus Tanis or write down, record the happy days? Because a fool is not affected. Basically, a fool doesn't realize he's in trouble and he doesn't realize when he's been saved. And that's so too. Um, in Rabbi Shimon Gamliel's time, they just weren't aware that the Tzoros were coming as a message from Hashem and they weren't aware of the miracles and the wonders that Hashem did for them when He looked after them and therefore they didn't write them down. Tovar Acher, another pshat, Ein Bos Rameis, Margesh Be'izmel. Another pshat is that uh, the flesh of a corpse doesn't feel a needle. I There's so many Tzoros, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel's time, there was so much Tzoros that they just didn't, they stopped even realizing it, that it was Tzoros. And the miracles that happen so often, well, they don't really notice them. Just like a dead person can't feel. So to a person who goes to so much, so much uh, Tzoros, doesn't feel it anymore. Any, is this true? Is it true that the flesh of a corpse, a corpse doesn't feel what happens to his flesh? For Amar Kamachat A worm eating the flesh of a corpse is as harsh to him like a live person being pierced with a needle. As it says, Basically, I think the easiest shot on this is the degrading aspect of his corpse being flesh eats away at him. But again, he does notice the his flesh being affected. So, therefore, so you're right. Ema ain bosor Okay, we're not going to speak about whether the whether a corpse can feel or not, whether his flesh, but the 
dead flesh on a live person, i.e. at some burn or some injury that he's got some dead flesh, that can't feel. And that's and the Jews in the time of Rabbi Shimon Gamliel had been through so much Taurus that they didn't feel it anymore. Or they, or they didn't even feel or notice. They didn't notice the Taurus and they didn't notice the miracles. Um, I just saw very interestingly in Chashukai Chemed, he asked a question just regarding this point of Shoite uh, Nifka. A fool, remember I mentioned he tries to bring an interesting halacha, interesting chuva, practical question that he was asked that touches on the dove. So it says a fool person, a fool is not aware what happens to him and he's not aware when he's saved. So the question that he, he was asked, if a senile person goes missing, can you phone the police, etc., phone and organize searches on Shabbos? So he says, obviously you can, it's Bikwach Nefesh, but he says very interestingly, if understood correctly, you're not, if you do find him, you're not allowed to phone and let them know that you found the senile person because you're going to break Shabbos to phone them. And they, by looking for the sick person, not know, the senile person, not knowing that he's found, is, uh, is fine. So therefore he says, don't phone him if I understood that correctly. Um, I would encourage someone to try find a heter to live. If a family is going through such a traumatic uh, a time that they, someone they know who's... Uh, senile and they've gone missing and they're looking for them try find her to try find a way maybe ask a non-Jew or something to phone and let them know so that they don't have to sit the whole of Shabbos afternoon um, with this uh, anxiety okay carrying on in the Gemara it says Omer of Yehuda you should remember the following this man for good, and his name is Hananiah ben Chizkiah. Because if not for him, they would have buried hidden Sefer Yecheskel. Because they matters in it which contradict the words of the Torah. I'm very interesting. Hananiah, um, this that we have our 24 Sifrei Tanakh wasn't always so straightforward at, at one stage in our history what should be included and what should be excluded. And therefore, it's a very special, um, this that uh, he was able to resolve the Sefer Yechezkel, which you know has some of the most lofty prophecies and resolve the contradictions between it and the Torah to show that it doesn't contradict them. And, and we have Sefer Yechezkel still is uh, worth remembering him for the good. Ma'aso, what did he do? says, He took up 300 barrels of oil, sorry, of oil, not wine, of shemen, of oil, and he went, he took up uh, provisions, what he needs for a long time, and candles, so he could learn straight through the night, never stopping, and he went and he sat in his attic and he learned there. And that's why, that's where, if you remember, earlier on we mentioned they went to the attic of Hananiah ben Chizkiah to discuss certain halachas. And that's, this is why he was in the attic, because he was trying to resolve the issues of Yechezkel. Rashi brings an example. Uh, let me just check one second. Yeah. Um, one example is it says that it sounds like in, uh, in Sefer Yechezkel, that Kohanim mustn't 
eat novellas and trephus, implying that regular Jews can eat novellas and trephus, i.e. animals that died without shchita or had certain injuries that even if they had shchita, they're still not kosher. So he resolved that contradiction by showing that, no, what Yechezkel was saying is, um, Kohanim are allowed to eat from a bird that was shechted through Malika. It's a special way, a bird that's a sacrifice. Um, a korban chattis, well, any bird, but Kohanim would eat a korban chattis. Instead of doing a normal shrita, the Kohen goes through the back of the neck, which is actually a, a novella. So uh, he showed that. So Kohanim might think that they're a bit lenient. Maybe they are allowed to eat uh, novella and trefer. So that's what Yechezko is saying. Even Kohanim must be careful with novella and trefer. But again, it sounds like a contradiction because it says in Sefer Yechezko that Kohanim mustn't eat novellas and trefers. Really, Yechezko is giving them an extra warning because they need to be extra careful, but it applies to everyone. But again, that's what he went through Sefer Yechezko, resolving all the contradictions. Um, let's quickly start the next piece because it's quite tricky and at least if we start thinking about the ideas it will make it much easier for tomorrow. So just regarding Tumah and Tahara, it's going to be quite based in the discussion of Tumah. So just a few, fun, I'll go through four, so it's three fundamentals and a fourth point. Um, one is, firstly what I'm going to say now is Doraisa, because the following discussion is going to be on the Drabon Gezeiras around Tuma. Uh, so remember, Tuma is uh, passed on. It's almost, you can say, it's contagious. However, and there are various sources of Tuma. The highest level is a mace, a corpse, a human corpse. And then there are many other examples of by people. A Zav, a Zav, a Nida, Matsuri, etc. They all can transmit Tuma. Um, and regarding animals, a, a dead sheretz or novella can also transmit tumor. Now, there are various level of uh, of tumor, and when one thing touches another thing, so it makes it to it, it goes down a level. So, for example, a mace, a human corpse, is a aviavosa tumor, the highest level of tumor. If well, yeah, let's just go through the levels. So there's Avyavosa tumor, a human corpse is the highest level of tumor. Then lower than that is a avatuma. That would be a person who's a nida, zav, zav, etc., or a novella, etc., is a avatuma. Then there's a rishon, and then a shani, and shlishi, and ravii. So those are the levels of tumor. Now, if let's say you have a person who's a a person, a novella is an avatuma, and a person touches that novella, they become a rishon. If some that rishon then goes and touches food, he makes the food shady, etc. Every time you transfer tumor, it goes down one level. Okay. Now, a third important principle is that there are four types of things that can become tome: adam, kalim, oichlin, umashkim. People, utensils, and vessels, food and drink. Now, only an avhatuma can make people and kalim tome. I want something is a rishon, and it would touch a person or a kli, it would not make it tome. And then also going down the levels, so 
something that's a Rishon, again, can't make, he can have a person that's a Rishon. If a person touches an Avatuma, he becomes a Rishon, but he can't make another person or another clear Rishon. So where would, what would he be able to make Tomei? Food or drink, he would make it a Shani. Now, regular Chulin, regular food, cannot be lower than a Shani. So if a Shani touches regular food, it doesn't become Tomei, but a Shani can make Truma, Remember the special part of the grain you have to separate for grain? Shlishi. And Truma can make Kodshim, I holy um, sacra, uh, sacrifices, can make them a Ravi. Okay, and then just one. So those are the three main points. Okay, firstly that, they're different sources of Tuma. And they each, and, you know, they, give off Tumah in different, different levels. They're, secondly, they're different levels of Tumah. Av Yavosa Tumah, which is a corpse, and Av, which goes down to Rishon, Shani, Shlishi, and Ravii. And then the third important principle is that only uh, Av can make people and Kalim Tomeh, I will make them a Rishon, but a Rishon cannot make people or Kalim Tomeh, it can only make food Tomeh. And then just an important point regarding the phraseology that we use is there's a word tome or posel. Tome means it is tome and it can transmit tuma. Posel means it is tome but it can't make something else tome. So for example, chulin um, is posel at shani. Chulin cannot make other chulin. Chulin that is a shani is tome. But it can't make other chulin shani. It can't affect other chulin. Okay, now, um, no, let's just read the opening line. It says, We said in the Mishnah that the Shmoina Osar Dovo Gozru, they made 18 decrees on that day. Remember in the day that the Beisham and Beisilal gathered in the attic of Hananya ben. Ben He says, so the Gemara asks, what are the 18 things? So now we're going to go through the list and it starts off with one Mishnah which is going to give 10 items. Is the Tanan we learned in the Mishnah, the following can make Truma possible. The following items, in other words, we're saying the following items are Shani and therefore they can make Truma Shlishi. And now all these items are Durabon and Shanies, and I think we'll leave and we'll go through the list of items tomorrow.